0: Hey everyone, my name's Nicole. I'm Brenna. I'm Reed. And this is Fit Click.
1: This is a podcast where we talk about fan fiction. Each episode, the three of us usually individually bring a fic to talk about. But if you listen to last episode, you will know how this one's going. Um, this is the second iteration of our birthday series for 2022. It is Nick's birthday. <zung> um, yes. And our format for this year's birthday episodes is that the birthday host gets to pick all three fan works that we are discussing. Um, so, Nick, tell us your picks. Read. I will. Today we're going to be talking about To Hold It Against Your
0: Bones by Esther, which is 17RPF Jonghan slash Seungchul. We're going to be talking about The Rightish Reasons, which is a BTS fic for yungi slash Sukjin, And finally, we will be talking about probably Jen, but you, we all are Hamlet slash Horatio truthers in this house. <laughs> um, a comic that we just have been calling the Hamlet D&D or Hamlet Paladin comic by Binary Bird on Tumblr. So... Very excited. Kind of a wild array of offerings this time around, but very true to me. I'm excited to discuss how on brand I've been because I worked very hard to be extremely on brand for my birthday. When else am I going to get to do this?
2: So if you are either a long time listener of this pod, a short time listener, but you listened last episode or are in our Discord server, you might be familiar with our own uh, categorization system. Uh, So our categorization system includes the categories gay, vibes, punk rock, style, whack, and umami. Um, You may have heard us use these before. In fact, last episode we used them on the fix that I brought for my birthday episode. And this episode we're going to be using them on the fix that Nick is bringing. So these categories don't necessarily have any strict definition. It's sort of just more based on... Well, the the vibes of the thing, um, and we usually try and like combine. I think a couple categories to really like give the essence of something. It's not usually just one. It can be, but usually I feel like it's more like a two or three category type thing. Um, so, yeah, should we get into it with the first of your picks, Nick?
0: Yeah, please. So to hold it against your bones is a future fic and oh, it's mean, baby. So I was thinking about this actually this morning, and I do feel like punk rock could apply. There, to me, is something punk rock about witnessing someone who you loved when you were young and, like, experiencing them differently and feeling wretched about it, and then as the reader feeling wretched about it, but in the most positive way possible.
1: Yeah, I am wondering, like... So I should say that our categorization system is perfect and has no flaws. Mm-hmm. But like in an alternate universe <laughs> in which perhaps we amended it,
0: mm-hmm. I do mm-hmm.
1: wonder if it would benefit from a category like wretched. Tender. No, Ooh. wretched. Wretched I like. Because like. Much to
2: think about there, Reed.
1: You know, because, yeah, Nick's fic, uh, or, well, specifically this the 17 fic. Yes, they're all is, my fic this time. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, yeah, this 17 fic is brutal. And yeah. sad, and like we have used the categorization system to talk about fics that are sad, etc. But Absolutely. like, if again, for example, wretched was a category, it is the one I would give this fic. And so I'm just sort of pondering an update. We can sit. We can sit with this. We okay. can come back to it. Can I pitch my own
0: edition? If not for this mm-hmm. fic, though, you can mm-hmm. bloodless. <laughs> what? <laughs> Well, we don't have to talk about it right now. We no, can no, 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 no. <laughs> I
1: need, I need some clarification. Bloodless. Yeah, like you we gonna have, blood. have. Okay, but here's the thing: is that not our, to be
0: confused with fleshless?
1: But our categorization system is not. Um, it's not exact. Like as previously stated, things that like something can be gay regardless mm-hmm. of whether or not the canon material is gay or the figure yeah. is gay or whatever. So you saying Jake Bloodless boy is lo-
0: bloodless, but he has blood. I mean,
1: Mm, okay. But like but that like- doesn't <laughs> that's
2: nothing. I think it's what? something. Can you give me some, some other examples of things that would be bloodless? Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. Sure. Um going to the mall, but it's empty and the sky is orange.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Okay. One
0: more bloodless. please. Why why is
1: that bloodless versus like vibes?
0: <laughs> well, it's also vibes, Reed. There can be overlap. You don't have to just pick one of them.
1: No, I know, but like what is bloodless giving Grapes that like the red. current by
0: John Steinbeck, Bloodless.
1: I would argue that it would not be Bloodless, it would be wretched. Um Also also wretched. Right. But I'm just saying, like, what is bloodless contributing that our current system doesn't already offer?
0: I wish you were on the same page as me here, because I'm feeling <laughs> it so deep in my heart of like, obviously we like need bloodless the bloodless category.
2: Kind of on me. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like it's giving me a real like Eldritch
1: horror vibe. Yeah. Which something is something is wrong. I really
2: enjoy. But it's my not fear like, wrong, is that, bad, like, it's just off.
1: Yeah. Once we start adding things, like, where are we going to stop? <laughs> right. Probably nowhere.
0: Right.
2: I don't <laughs> I don't think we actually should add more things, but I do, like, I do like considering it. Okay. Because the thing well, is... They're, like, guest stars. <laughs> I feel like the thing with wretched is, obviously, it's one of my favorite words. Yeah. I use it a lot. You know yeah. I'm fond of it. I, I worry that we would use it too literally. Like, I feel like we push have to push ourselves with our categorizations to not mm. just pick the one that is the most, like, straightforward, like anything that is like has gay characters is gay like no that's not how it works so i wouldn't want to just use wretched only for things that are truly wretched um although i do love the concept and i do agree that uh if wretched were in our categorization system to hold it against your bones would be wretched yeah um I was also going to say punk rock for it, I think not necessarily because of, like, the content fully, but because of, like, the stylistic and narrative choices that Esther makes throughout it felt very punk rock as an author. Mm. Um, to, like, dig their little knife into my sternum over and over again feels <laughs> punk rock. So. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Is this fic also style?
2: Sure. Um, in what way?
0: In the way that, like, I'm a gay carrot and thinking about Chung Han, like, coming back from Japan and his fancy outfit was really, like, getting to me. That might be too literal for style. (laughs) I just like him. And it is stylish.
2: I mean, I was thinking it could be style also in terms of just, like, how the fic is written again. Yeah. Like, yeah.
1: The fic itself is style yeah like the content exactly. maybe is not style, but the thick yeah. writing is style,
2: yeah. that's kind of what I was thinking. Like I know when we get into discussing it, we probably will go back to our um much beloved points of like this was sharp. This was really <laughs> precise. <laughs> and mm-hmm. I feel like a lot of that says style to me, yeah, yes. yeah, yeah, okay. punk rock and style. do we feel good about that?
1: Yeah, all right. Should we categorize the rightish reasons? <laughs> sure i okay. I mean gay, obviously. Yeah. Obviously. I think so. Um It's style or vibes. I don't know which one. I think style. I think Tae alone elevates it to style. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's vibes,
0: for sure. Style I'm also not completely sold on. I don't I dislike it. I was gonna it. say
2: I think it's whack. <laughs> oh, I was whack going for whack next. Correct. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whack, whack is, is number one correct
1: for me on this thing. <laughs> it's gay and then whack for me, but Okay. Whack lovingly. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Obviously. Obviously. Yeah. I still think style. I don't know. I'm like thinking. I and I feel like maybe part of the reason it's style for me is because a lot of this fic was very like visual in my head, which I'm not always the most visual reader. But like, I'm thinking about the beach scene. I'm thinking about the campfire scene and all of that. Like, it's so vivid and bright in my head in a way that is style. But it's okay Mm. if it's not style for you.
0: Wow. Imagine being able to visualize things in your head.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Only sometimes. I, I
2: will. Thanks, Nick. (laughs) <laughs> um fun. I don't know that it's style for me. I think also because I fall into this thing that happens to us a lot when we're categorizing multiple things of like not necessarily wanting to give the same mm. categorization to two fix unless or like to whatever we're categorizing unless it feels really strongly that to me. And I think for me, I'd almost be more inclined to assign style to the next thing we're going to talk about personally Mm -hmm. than to the writer's reasons so i think for that reason because i would assign it to the other two it doesn't quite get there on style for me
1: i respect Um, that sure
2: but like i definitely understand and appreciate your explanation
1: yeah thank you All
2: right. Do we feel good with gay and whack? I mean, for sure. (laughs) I mean, I do think that kind of sums it up. And again, this is very lovingly, but this fic is whack. Like, there's no getting around it.
0: (laughs) All right. Well, Hamlet comic?
1: Oh, yeah. Umami.
0: It's umami. It's umami. The fact that, like... Every time I see this, I gasp, and I have been sent it directly so many times by so many people. I have witnessed it. I have it, like, saved in my personal Discord server so I can go back and look at it. (laughs) It has a very special place in my heart, and I think that does make it objectively umami.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I think it also just feels really singular, which I think is what we're always going for with umami. Mm -hmm. Like, it has to be that that certain thing that's, like, not repeated like i don't want to say commonplace but like that you don't you've only find in the most rare of circumstances and i feel like this comic has that which is true for umami one of the main flavors (laughs) okay but that's
0: not how we use it (laughs) no i agree just laughing thinking about the umami seasoning in my cupboard right now.
2: i mean i do feel like this is punk rock to me i don't know about y'all yes but like absolutely I mean, Hamlet on its own, I feel like, feels punk rock to me. Yes, absolutely. I'm, yes. So. I'm so
0: glad we're having this discussion. Hamlet in all forms, most forms, is punk rock. I will acknowledge there are potential Hamlet forms that are not punk rock. but <laughs> <I know. laughs> Most of the time, yes. I can definitely see style for this one as well.
2: I mean, I would also agree with style. I think, uh, like... I know we just assigned punk rock and style to Esther's fic as well, but I do think a lot like there's certain things about both of those that I think are similar here. Obviously not in the content, but just in like an execution of a premise in such a short amount of space in this way that like really hits hard, I feel like feels style to me, and that's done really well in both of these.
0: Yeah, like a singular uppercut.
2: Yeah. Yes. Also, the fact that, like, when you're
0: making Hamlet a D&D setting, we'll talk about this in the discussion too, but I'm just thinking about how stylish that is <laughs> to be like, oh, yeah, we're in Denmark, like, you're a prince, mm-hmm. and you're on this vengeance quest. Like, that is so style. It's very punk rock, but it is so style to me. Ficklets, if we did a bad job categorizing these ficks, would you hold it against us? Now let's talk about To Hold It Against Your Bones by Esther.
2: <laughs> would you hold it against our bones? Our bones. <laughs>
0: so the first fic that we're going to be talking about is to hold it against your bones by esther this is a fic for 17 the band we've discussed them before on this pod and the pairing is technically junghan slash Troll. are are they together and happy in this fic no <laughs> i was gonna try and be like no not at all um This is very much like a character relationship dynamic study and also a look at the passage of time and how it comes for us all, I assume. So that's exciting. Uh, This fic is under a thousand words long. It is in the 900 word range, which is one of the reasons I brought it because we're trying not to exceed a hundred thousand words in an episode for our birthdays so that we don't you know get crushed under the weight of all of the things that we're trying to discuss because we have lives and we read fic and we try to do our best here so i was like what short fix have i read and loved that i still think about a lot and i've recommended this fic so many times if you follow me on like my k-pop twitter don't if, if you don't it's fine don't don't go find it <laughs> <laughs> but if you have but if you happen to uh you likely have seen me talk about this fic before so big fan It was written for a fest, which is the Snapshoot Fest. I believe this one was for round one. And that was a flash fic fest that was hosted on AO3 for this fandom where people wrote a bunch of fics under a thousand words, which I thought was super cool. There's a lot of really great fics in that collection. And I remember right as I was getting into the fandom, a lot of those were coming out. So it was exciting to get to flick through them and get to know these characters a little bit better in a short form that was not gonna require me committing to a really long fic. So I appreciated that. The uh, premise of this fic, um, I think, is kind of linked up in content warnings. I don't really have any content warnings for the fic specifically. It references real world events, some of which were like kind of a bummer, but like you know, they happened in the real world. Um, and also, if you don't know what it's referencing, then it's not gonna—you're not gonna really know why you would be sad, if that makes sense. So, yeah, no, no explicit content warnings for this fic. The premise is that about, god, what is it, like 10 years in the future from now? It doesn't matter. Approximately a decade into the future, Sing Chol is sitting backstage at some variety show, and Jung shows up. And we find out very quickly that they have not been in contact for a very long time. The group has disbanded. A lot of them have gone and done their military service, and some of them are close and some of them are not close anymore. And so it's a bit of a study of what it is like to part ways with someone who was so important to you and to get to see them different and after such a long time. And it's also, I think, a really interesting study in memory and like looking at someone and seeing who they were, but also holding all of the emotions that you had for them then and now and how those overlapping emotions can really impact you as a person. So I basically just summarized, that's that's like the whole thing. We'll talk a lot more about the actual stuff that goes on and particular lines that we liked and things but it just really really stuck with me since the very first time I read it the last line is killer the summary is killer it's such a smart story and so I was really excited it's been in my back pocket for the pod for a long time but I was like it's so short so it worked out great yeah thank you co-hosts for um, enabling me as ever (laughs) (laughs) what did you think of this little story
1: yeah, uh, Brenna said a little bit of this in the intro, but, like, all of our sharp, precise, like, makes great use of a very short amount of words, like, all of that very much applies to this fic. Um, yeah, Nick, we were talking about, like, you being on brand, and my notes for this are just so many different things about why this is ridiculously on brand for you. The, I mean, I guess, as you said, it's not really a pairing, but the jungle of it all. Um, yeah you know, fame and like what it does to you and the relationships that you build in it and outside of it. Um, I did say like, this is kind of renegotiating a relationship after years spent apart, but with none of the resolution that we usually have when we talk about fics of that nature. Um, Yeah, every part of this fic, I was like, yeah, I fully, fully, fully see why this has been a fic that Nick has held very close to their heart for a while. Um. In terms of, like, familiarity with source content, um, I would say I'm I'm Carrot. I'm a fan of the group 17, but, like, casually, <laughs> like, I really, really like their music. I, like all the boys, I love reading fic for them and stuff like that, but I am not great these days at, like, consuming K-pop content that isn't just music. Like, I don't really keep up with variety shows and et cetera, et cetera. Um, so I had noticed that this fic was like pulling on real life events and there were some things that i picked up but like i some that certainly didn't uh nick had to explain a couple of references um so it was a fic where like i think it hit really hard and was really well done and was also sort of like i'm sure if i held all of the context it would hit even harder um but i do very much like 17 and i had a good time reading this fic even though it was um wretched <laughs>
2: Hmm. I'm trying to bring wretched back in read. I see how it is.
0: Um, a competition.
2: Yeah, Nick, start start figuring out where you can drop bloodlessly. <laughs> oh, I'm ready. Okay. Um. Yeah, I had a good time with this fic. I mean, I I definitely agree that like everything about all three fics, this episode felt deeply on brand for Nick, which is exactly what I wanted from these birthday episodes. Like that's what I wanted for my own one last time, which I think I achieved, and that's what I wanted for my co hosts too. Like. I don't know, it's just fun to get to bring things that are very, like, what speaks to you in writing and themes and content and everything. Um, Especially stuff that, like, each of us individually kind of gravitate towards over and over. And so I think it was fun to, like, see a couple of fixes that I think have a lot of points in them that I think of as very, like, Nick. <laughs> um, and so, yeah, I think definitely, like, the aspects of the impact of fame on your life and, like, renegotiating relationships and, like, relationships that were initially built out of a certain set of circumstances and not necessarily, like, purely by choice and, like, how does that impact them and, like, what they become later on when, like, it is then a choice to, like, as to whether or not you continue with this relationship. Um, So I really like the themes of this fic. A lot of those are also things I really enjoy reading. Obviously, I like RPF a lot and, like, I think a lot of rpf is about fame um or at least the stuff that like we read um so yeah and i thought the writing of this was really well done as well i think for me my kind of admiration of this fic came a lot more in terms of like how it handled its themes and like the way it was written i am not really carrot i'm like familiar with 17 but i'm not like deep in it um yeah
0: joshua wasn't in this one
2: yeah exactly (laughs) i'm sorry (laughs) exactly um no but like i do know like most of the boys casually i've listened to a lot of 17 like songs and seen a lot of their music videos and stuff um but i'm not super familiar with kind of like the lore of 17 or a lot of like personal facts about the members so i think the stuff in this fic that was drawing off of you being familiar with them and like familiar with some of how 17's like career has played out and like these moments in it didn't hit as well for me because I just didn't really know what I was talking about but I think we talk about this a lot as like I don't know we're always saying this is a fic you can read without context like this is a fic that you need context for like what context are we giving you for these things and I think like this is a fic that you can definitely read and enjoy without context like I think a lot of it you can fill in just like Kind of with context clues and, like, knowing what you might know about, like, K-pop in general and, like, how these groups work and, like, just fame, bands, all of the stuff. Um, I think some of the moments towards the end kind of exemplify how fake is based on a kind of mutual agreement between the author and the reader that you both are fans of this thing like it's fan fiction (laughs) you know so i think i kind of failed in my task as a reader in some ways because of my like lack of understanding of like 17 and of these two members in particular if any of that makes sense um yeah
0: well i that's why To my understanding, one of her New Year's resolutions is to become <laughs> junk Cholist.
2: It, it wasn't. <laughs> oh, <but.
0: laughs> I must have misunderstood.
2: Yeah, I'm so sorry to disappoint. Um, it's not too late. Yeah. Um, it, like, it's not. It's not. But it, but also it is.
1: <laughs> Brenna was like, in 2022, I will further my commitment to being a Joshua Hong solo stand. And it just went in Nick's ear and then came out as, I will become a junk Cholist. <laughs>
2: yeah, yeah, yeah oh.
1: exactly. <laughs> It's okay.
0: I do get what you were saying, though. I feel like for you, Brenna, it was like you read this fic and you got to the end and it shoved you into like an ice cold river. And for me, I read this. And then at the end, it roundhouse kicked me into a vat of acid. (laughs) And so like we both were impacted. (laughs) But the level was uh, just slightly different.
2: Yeah. I don't know if I was being like carried downstream by a river, though. Maybe it's just like an ice cold like little lake. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, I feel like River feels more violent than it felt <laughs> uh, towards me. Like now, like your like, your
1: pants are wet, like up to your thighs, and it's cold and uncomfortable, and like you're like, this is not <laughs> I, where I
2: wanted to be. Type
1: for fun. <laughs>
0: Meanwhile, I'm disintegrating.
1: <laughs>
0: yeah. Now it makes sense, and I I really I like that you both pointed out the things that made me love this fic so much, um, and particularly like. There is so much myth-making around rpf around fame and especially around these groups right because they're pushing back against the idea that there's some manufacturing that happens um, they did not necessarily some. choose each yeah i'm doing my best here. <laughs> um <laughs> with 17 especially they're in such a weird situation where there were supposed to be this many of them that they weren't and some of them quit and then some of them stayed and then they were making their own music and doing their own choreography and styling themselves and recording their own videos for like eight dollars approximately <laughs> um But I do think there is kind of this retaliatory pushback, I guess, in the messaging from the industry that's like, there is soul matery happening here, and the the universe brought these people together, and that's why you need to be invested and love them. And it's so interesting to both feel swept up in that and also recognize it for what it is. And I've always found it really fascinating that Seventeen as a group seemed to resist this idea that there was perfect fate and they were always going to be together and it was going to be beautiful, they've really emphasized how much they like have worked for it and have worked to get along and be friends and like each other and have the success that they've had. So I've always just found that really compelling. And I see that a lot in this story too, of like when the machine is no longer there, how do the individual parts continue operating in relation to each other? If you don't need somebody for something, how does that impact your relationship? And also knowing that not only did you need them in the past, but in this case, Jungtolist Esther would say they wanted each other as well. And there was some amount of love there, whether it was romantic or not, whether it was realized as romantic or not. There was something way beyond, this is my bandmate. So then how does that relate to this 10 years in the future where, can I just like, I'm just going to read the summary of this figure real quick. (laughs) I just just need to. Thank you so much. Summary. If you had told sung Chol at 20 that a time would come when he wouldn't recognize Jung Han's face on sight, he would have laughed. All things end. Like, can you imagine how out of my gourd ballistic I went the first time I read that? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it was like, barely a carrot. I didn't know what was happening. And I was like, this was literally made for me and I'm going to open it immediately and tear my own heart into little shreds like that cheese that you get in a bag at the grocery store.
1: You mean shred- shredded cheese. <laughs> Yes, okay. exactly. Oh,
2: okay. Mm,
1: mm, <laughs> what were you thinking, Brenna? <laughs> I don't know. I was like, what ch- What cheese do you shred with
2: your hands to eat it? <laughs> no, it's already pre-shredded. Like, string cheese? <laughs> no, it's, pre-
0: it's pre-shredded. <laughs> okay, String okay, cheese yeah. I like, though, as well. <laughs> Imagine reading it. Just- <laughs> I wasn't thinking something <laughs> I was getting terrible. Graphic. I was just really confused. <laughs> <sighs> Sometimes my metaphors need work. It's okay. <laughs> anyway, I just love this fix so much, and I really love that aspect of figuring out who you are to somebody in the future i've said this a million times on this podcast
1: <laughs> as i said and off of it renegotiating relationships after years spent apart this is something we all know you like very much in this case they're not really renegotiating their relationship it's just Chul being faced with the reality of what it is and what it is is quite bad <laughs> um,
0: but it's bloodless
1: <laughs> um... Try try to get in a bit. Mm. Like yeah. Give it another chuckle. <laughs> I don't know later. if I bought that one.
0: <laughs> oh, sorry. Next time I'll do it with the accent.
1: Oh boy, all right.
0: <laughs> it's <Okay>. bloodless. <laughs> what the fuck? It's like Dracula.
2: <laughs> what was it I like what you were saying about like needing someone and like being allowed to need them because I think it also brings up a question of like yeah, like what when are you allowed to need them? Like, what constitutes is needing? Like, is wanting someone around, like, a need that you are allowed to have, I think? Because I think that comes up a lot with these fix where it's like, they had to be in this group, like, they need each other for all of these, like, kind of like the emotional support of it but then also just like the actual making of the music and the dancing of the dances and all of that like the promotion of the songs like they all needed each other to be in the group to make the group work and then what are you allowed to need just like emotionally on your own after you don't need the like kind of capitalist side of things
1: and that like needing to like rely on each other emotionally i feel like this fic doesn't really get into it, but I'm sure you could dig into the fact that Sungchul is the leader, um, and like what that means. You, you could, mean. <laughs> <laughs> Nick, was shaking emotion in their voice. I feel fine about it, um, but yeah, I mean, especially because, um, as I have been told from Nick, like Sungchul did not have the inherent qualities of being a leader. He wasn't like, this is the role that I want and I'm stepping up into, they basically like forced it on him and he was like, okay, I have to figure out how to do this. Um, Mm And he so, was the oldest.
0: Yeah. And they also said one of the reasons that they made him the leader was because he didn't really seem to have the natural capabilities for it so that he would have to push himself and in pushing himself, he would like really commit to being the leader and like being a liaison. Anyway.
1: <laughs> <laughs> um, Go ahead. I was just going to say, again, like none of this is super present in the fic, but if we are talking about emotionally leaning on one another and like who Han might have been to Chol when they were in the band together, like how he might have been an emotional pillar for him. Yeah. Um, I feel like that whole aspect of being a leader would definitely tie in. Um, On a bit of a different note, uh, we had talked about when we were categorizing how good this writing is, um, and I just sort of wanted to shout out, I think, my favorite structural part of the fic where it says Sung Chul feels the years roll backward. And then it goes and it's he's 35, he's 32, he's 27, et cetera, et cetera. And it goes back and back and back. And it's just one sentence for each age uh that contrasts like where he is and like what his relationship to Jong Han is. And I feel like it could have been like trite or repetitive. I don't really know what the what the right word is. But I feel like it could have been executed not well, like in a way that I was not into. Um, and instead it hit very hard. Like I just thought it was such a clever way. Oh God, okay. I said this in the intro, I'm gonna say it again. When you have a fic that's under a thousand words, you have to be so, so like precise with what you're choosing. Not even like, oh, like the words are sharp and hitting, but like you are making use of every inch of that space. Um and I thought this was such a good way to show us sort of the whole scope of their relationship um, and, like, really pack in some emotional punches. Like, there's some of those, like, sort of real-life details in there as well. Um, I just thought it was so effective and so well done, so I wanted to shout that out. So one other thing I wanted to talk about with this
0: fic that I found really interesting relates to concepts of trauma and stabilization. So I'm going to be referencing some work from Janina Fisher, PhD, who is a specialist in trauma. So uh, that's just my source. But one really interesting concept from her work is the idea of a feelings memory or a sense memory specifically around a traumatic event. So in this case, I mean, we feel somewhat confident from what we know that there's not like a major PTSD traumatic event that would be referenced in this fic. It would be kind of a wild choice for Esther to invent one. Um, But that's not to say that there can't be traumatic instances in either of their lives or really any of our lives, right? And one of the ideas in Fisher's work is that when you're experiencing, like kind of out of nowhere, symptoms of seemingly anxiety, panic, depression, uh, mostly those ones, in the present, when there's not an explicit trigger, then likely there is some kind of a feelings memory or sense memory going on. And it's about the past. Past you is experiencing those things and bringing them forward into the future in a memory versus you experiencing those things in the moment because of what you're being triggered by. All of this to say that I found it super interesting when you're also looking at this super imposition of past Junghan over present Junghan, but also Seungchul in the way that he sees himself. My favorite line in this entire fic is literally the last one. <laughs> so the last kind of paragraph is three sentences. It says, Seungchul watches his rigid shoulders for a moment, then turns around to face the mirror. It startles him how grown the person looking back is for a moment, he had felt 22. And I think you could really make a case that this entire fic and this entire moment that he's experiencing, he's living in the present, he's talking to Jonghan but he's also going through this like feelings memory of what it was like when he was younger. And not only the bad parts, right, the difficult parts, the stuff that was hard in the middle of everything, but the good parts, too, remembering the stuff that was positive, remembering the good times that they had together or the times that they were leaning on each other and supporting each other. Um, That paragraph that Reid references is right tucked at the end of the fic where Sung Chol is thinking about their relationship over the years, and it's not all negative. And I think that there's something just so compelling to me about the fact that all of these pieces are layered on top of each other in this one moment. Because if I had told you, this is a fic where in 10 years, Han and Chul are in the same waiting room. <laughs> That's a much less compelling premise. <laughs> I think at least. So I just really, really loved the way that Chul's internal world felt so alive here and really guided the forward movement of this fic as it is. It's not necessarily pushing a story forward but it's letting us look at you know character study relationship study feelings memories all of that
1: i do also just feel like i have to point out since you read the line that the last one is he had felt 22 and i talked about how the paragraph is rolling back the sentence for that one is he's 22 and more in love every day so thank you esther that is fucking brutal (laughs) yeah thanks esther (laughs) no genuinely thank you esther (laughs)
2: It's interesting to come into this fic, like, not knowing that much about these characters, because on the one hand, like, I so deeply respect and admire this fic for being the word count that it is and, like, doing what it does with that word count. And on the other hand, I'm, like, clamoring at the door of, like, Esther's home, (laughs) being like, Esther, what have you got, like, 10k more of this? (laughs) Because, like, I want to know these characters. Like, I don't because I'm, like, not carrot and, like, because this is a specific interpretation of them that, like, I want to exist more i want more of it i want to see where this goes from here like even if it goes nowhere and it's really just like a character study of this Mm -hmm. continued (laughs) i want to read it (laughs) it's
0: just like them still in the waiting
2: room for another 30 minutes No, I wanna read like Sung Chul's cab ride home and like what happens next? And like does he think about Jung Han more? Do they I see each other would. again? Is it another like five or ten years before they do? How does Sung Chul feel in that moment? Is it the same? Is it more? Is it worse? Is has he moved on more? Like is it better? Like is he able to have a different relationship with Jung Han? Like does it just go absolutely nowhere and he doesn't think about him anymore? Does Joshua I, show know up? these things? <laughs> does Joshua show up? Oh my
0: God. anyway. Yeah. No, I agree. Esther, if you're ever, um, if you've been considering
1: it and you were looking for a sign, we are waving it and it is neon. (laughs) One thing I just wanted to chime in with is that I think this title was an excellent choice. Um, That feeling of sort of resentment and pain and anger and also like lingering love, like all of that to holding it, in, in like the marrow of your body, like deep down in like the core of who you are holding it against your bone or like against Han for like the way that he's treating Sung Chul and the way that they drifted apart. I just thought it was so sharp and good. So also wanted to shout that out. Mm-hmm. So that was our discussion
0: of To Hold It Against Your Bones by Esther, a fic that I have extremely normal feelings about and have always had normal feelings about. Thank you for listening to me lose my gourd about, uh, once again, the idea of people carrying their past selves with them, and also memory, and also feelings, and also how love and later resentment can be sides of the same coin. Esther, if you continue this, it could be a happy ending. (laughs) Okay, just a quick request. Okay, thank you so much,
1: everyone. In this fic, Nick was incredibly on brand by picking a fic that sort of ruminates on fame. In the next fic, Nick remains on brand by picking a fic that ruminates on fame. Let's get into the rightish reasons.
0: The next fic we're gonna be talking about is called The Rightish Reasons by Attila the Hun. It is a BTS fic. And the pairing, the main pairing, I should say, is Yoongi slash Jin. There is no shortage of pairing and romance in this fanfiction, I promise you. If you're like, wow, I wish every character could find love, you are going to be so excited. (laughs) Um, This is a uh, The Bachelor AU, basically. Uh, I think the show is technically called something different, but it could not really be more The Bachelor if it tried. Destined Hearts, I believe? Ah, thank you. I was i will I I'll I'll say this later. I read The Charm Offensive by Allison Cockard recently, uh, around the same time I reread this fic for the pod, and wow. There's a lot of wires that were crossing <laughs> in my brain uh, of like which show is which and what's going on where, but yes, Dustin Hearts, thank you, Reed. Um yeah, so I am very, very excited to talk about this one. So the premise of this fic is that our main character, Jin, is an actor who ends up getting some bad press because he was outed by this guy that he was with, and um, this guy also outed everyone, or at least many people, that Jin had slept with in the past as well, and Jin punched him in the face. Deserved. Uh, But that did garner him some negative press from the media at large. So um, I'm going to be talking a little bit about some content warnings here. I don't think there's anything super specific, uh, but one thing that we wanted to flag is that one of the people who was outed in this kind of cascade of outings is described as having kind of gone through a really difficult time and ended up in the hospital. You don't really find out exactly what happened until later in the fic, and the implication is that it was just like bad anxiety, I think. That was my understanding of it, at least. But um, for a long period of this fic, myself and I think at least one of my co-hosts were thinking maybe there was something going on with like a suicide attempt or self-harm or something a bit more serious. So that is under this fic. It underlies a lot of the first bit of it. Um, so just an FYI on that. There's also some general sort of trappings of reality show shenanigans and privacy violations and things like that. But I will say overall, it is quite a lighthearted fic. This is a very solidly a romantic comedy, in my opinion. It reads like a romance novel. Um, and I just found it extremely fun for the most part. So like, yeah, there's some moments, but, um, I would say in terms of content warnings, there's nothing super, super major that I feel the need to flag aside from what I've already mentioned. So one reason I wanted to bring this fic is ficlets, you may or may not know this about me. I really have a lot of feelings about reality television. (laughs) (laughs) um i don't watch a lot of scripted tv i do watch a uh, like a decent amount for me of reality tv i love a reality competition show i have seen many seasons of the bachelor and bachelor in paradise and the bachelorette are you the one Um uh, when i was in college i wrote a slam poem and performed it about reality television fun fact about me uh, including the hit show skin wars which is like body painting the what Just uh, skin wars <laughs>
1: it's body painting competition I am no reality TV expert, so I yeah, I I have never heard of it, but <laughs> it was pretty good.
0: Uh, they did some pretty wild things, and there was a lot of like nudity. Anyway, uh, not the point. The point is that I just really love thinking and considering about persona and about television and about like moving into this space where there are producers and people are crafting a narrative, but you're still trying to cling on to some amount of your authenticity. Again, I how many times can I talk about how fascinating and compelling I find arcs of fame? A lot, apparently, on this podcast. (laughs) Um, I also just find it entertaining. Like, I think a reality show is Fun and the formulaic aspect of it makes it easy watching for me, Uh, much more so than if I'm watching like Daredevil on Netflix. (laughs) I actually bailed out of that one because it was too gory for me, but (laughs) still, I have a really hard time with scripted TV. So, this is where I get most of my TV watching hours in. And it's really, really hard, I think, to do a reality TV AU right, whether it's in a book or especially in a fic. I think it's just extremely difficult to do it well and to match up the pacing and to get all of the aspects right and to make it like fun and interesting the entire time that the reader is reading. Because if you're looking at a show from start to finish, it's kind of long. This fic is 87,000 words long, right? Um, Got to bring a long one for my birthday, which was so exciting because I love this one. And I think this fic like really, really killed it. Uh, one other thing I wanted to mention before I get my co-host's feedback is just that, like I said, this is very much a The Bachelor AU. Um, this author in general, I find that a lot of their works tend to be pretty westernized, like, Americanized. Um, this one, I think, probably less so than some of their other, like, university AUs or whatever. Um, but just to flag that, um, it doesn't seem to really take on a lot of aspects of Korean culture that you might expect in like Korean media. So just an FYI around that. We like to flog it when it um, comes up on the pod. So yeah, that's the bulk of my initial thoughts. I think co-hosts, how did you like this upon first or second or third or whatever read it was for you both?
2: Yeah, I had a really fun time with this fic. I had not read it back when I was more, like, in BTS fandom and, like, reading actively for BTS. Um, I don't know why exactly. I just didn't ever get to it. Um, like, I like Yoon Jin. Like, I like the premise of this fic, so I don't know why it never happened. But this was my first time reading it, and I had a really good time. I stayed up way later than I intended because it just kind of keeps pulling you forward. I think one of the things I really admired about this fic that I'll get more into later was the pacing of it and, like, especially how it centers itself around a reality TV show, I think, is something that can present a challenge to an author in terms of pacing and, like, keeping you engaged throughout it when, like, the show is fairly formulaic. Um, And, like, when a lot of people going into the fic know how the show works, like, I've seen a lot of Bachelor, I've seen a lot of Bachelorette, I've seen a lot of Bachelor in Paradise, like, (laughs) I know how these shows work. Um... So I think the fact that I felt really compelled and invested and, like, really curious to know what happened next uh, is a big testament to this author. So I really had a fun time. Um, I really like the Jin and Yoongi of this. I mean, they are admittedly also two of my favorite members of BTS, Um, so I'm kind of never mad to read POV fix with them as like the main characters (laughs) but I definitely enjoyed like this take on the two of them um and like how the circumstances of this fic and like this world impacted like the characters that we understand them to be um and yeah I was really invested in their getting together um which is like the mark of a good rom-com so yeah I had a pretty good time there are a couple things that like didn't works so well for me that I'll get into a little bit later on. I think that also comes from like some outside media consumption and things. Um, so yeah, I will want to talk about that a little bit. But um, overall, I had a delightful time with this. I think it was a super like It was nice to go back and, like, see my friends BTS again. It's been a while (laughs) since I saw them in fanfiction. I've obviously seen them in other media, (laughs) but, like, (laughs) um, I don't know. It was just nice to go back. Um, I feel like it hasn't been that long since I was, like, in BTS fandom, but also it did kind of make me realize how long it's been since I read just, like, a straight-up BTS fic, especially one that, like, is a fic I definitely would have picked up on my own. Like, a lot of this is stuff that I enjoy in fanfiction. I had a really good time with it uh it was yeah deeply deeply enjoyable and kind of almost felt like I was just reading like a rom-com novella (laughs) where the characters looked a lot like famous people
1: (laughs) yeah um I had read this fic once before I think sometime in like late 2019 maybe early 2020 somewhere in there um I had remembered some specific scenes and like the overall structure of the plot. I remembered sort of the twist at the end, at least like enough to know that it was coming. Um, but had really forgotten a lot of the minutia. I mean, when it when it's an 87k fic, like there's a lot that's going to be in there. Um, and first of all, I had a phenomenal time returning to it. It's just really really fun. I was like audibly laughing. Um, there are also moments that just made me Scream, rattle, lose my gourd, et cetera, et cetera. Like, pick your metaphor. Uh, They're all all accurate. Um, But also, like, having sort of the, like, little light bulb moment where I was like, hold on a second. Like, I think I know where this is going. I think I remember, like, XYZ subplot, and then being right was, like, really satisfying. Um, Yeah, we are huge fans of Yunjin here on this pod. Uh, And I think, I mean, you get both POVs in this, but I feel like, all three of us are especially a sucker for, like, a good Jin POV, which this absolutely has. Um, this fic doesn't do the thing where you get, like, one scene from one character's POV and then immediately after you get the exact same scene again. But it does do a lot of, like, reflecting back and forth. And, like, it'll sort of trade off exactly where one person's POV ends and the next one, like, picks up. And it is fascinating to see the ways that Yungi and Jin perceive themselves and, like, what is happening around them and each other, like... Um, Jin feeling like he's like opening up in a bunch of like really real ways and like saying all of these truths about him and yuki being like this man hasn't said one true thing to me the entire time we've been talking um and feeling like both perspectives are valid uh yeah it just it is so so fun i know we have a lot to talk about because it is such a long fic but it was delightful to return to absolutely So I feel like we're going to do the thing
0: that we always do, where we're like, okay, we're going to spend more time on this one, and then we run out of time anyway. So I want to get right to something that I really want to talk about, (laughs) which is Yugi as the villain. Uh, What I did this morning is I was like, hmm, I'm wondering what will happen if I just command F villain on this fic and look at all 23 instances. Uh, I believe it's 23. Hold on. Let me double check. Yes, 23 instances of the word villain that occur in this fic, and just like read all of the lines back to back and wow it took me for a ride um it was pretty fantastic uh and one of my favorite moments is i believe it's yoongi and sukjin's first kiss uh, which is very much on camera which is very very dramatic um They don't give Yoongi a box to stand on. That actually made me laugh a lot that he noticed that, like, mentioned it in his narration. But one of the thoughts that's going through his head is he hopes the cameras are getting good shots of this, because if he's going to be the villain, he's going to be the best there is. And I was so obsessed with that. I think there's something so... Because not only is it about the villainousness of it, but it's also this moment of him sort of surrendering to the process of, like, you know what, fine. If they want to make me this person, if they want to do this to me, if they want to turn me into something that I'm not with their narrative, with their way of manipulating the story. Fine. If I can stay. And at that point, you know, he's, he's probably still saying, He's staying because he wants to become world famous August D, the rapper. Uh, That's his initial desire when he joins the show to increase his brand as a rapper. And they make him tape over his merch that he wears (laughs) in the first episode, which is incredible. Um, But I love that this is one of the first moments that we really see. It's not just about that. Like if he's gonna commit and he's gonna let himself be the villain, then you know at least part of him is staying for Seokjin. Um So that's the first instance. And the next instance, well, that's not the first instance. It's it's one of the first that he calls himself the villain in a way that is not just like amused at the producers. But almost immediately after that, two instances later, this is 10 out of 23 for those playing at home. <laughs> um, it's a scene that I know we all have feelings about, which is the group date where they all get lines to read across Sukjin as like an acting challenge so they all are given a line they have to memorize it and do this back and forth with Sukjin, and Yoongi and Jimin have this conversation where Yoongi's like huh like okay that's fine I got this line and it says I've known a lot of men like you what makes you think you're so special and he's like okay yeah I don't get it Um, and Jimin starts to explain that all of the lines that they were given relate to their roles in the show and who they've been cast as by the producers and how it's going to fit into their storyline so I just really love that whole bit I would love to I, I know a couple let's say a couple of you there's of you. <laughs> I know a couple well, of you out there want to talk about it I know a couple of you have thoughts <laughs> I'm bringing in the figlets a couple
2: of us do want to talk about it <laughs> yeah by all means yeah why not like I really enjoyed that scene I think Like I said, I watched a lot of Bachelor, and there was a lot in this um, fic that kind of obviously mimicked how The Bachelor works, and... I feel like in every single season of Bachelor or like Bachelorette, I'm counting them together here, um, that I've watched, there is a group date that is intensely cringy that involves either like improv or acting or like theater or something like that. And they're always brutal and excruciating. And I've never once enjoyed myself because I also can't handle secondhand embarrassment. So like things like that are really terrible for me personally. But I really liked it here because since it's like scripted and not there isn't actually any element of reality-ness, like, people making their own choices. Like, these are just characters who are being written out. This is Attila the Hun making choices. Yeah, exactly. Like, because of that, the narrative impact of that scene actually got to, like, fulfill its potential, which it never does in the actual versions of, like, Bachelor and Bachelorette. Um, Because it is true that they always try and, like, you know, play up the certain dynamics of the cast members they play up like the villain the sweet like boy slash girl person next door kind of character um they play up like all the different archetypes that everyone's supposed to be falling into but like it only sometimes works and like people sometimes go against those too and I feel like here it was actually an instance in which like you got to see that realized in a way that was really satisfying especially because like the characters talk about it too like the whole conversation between Jimin and yungi in that scene is so good I think that was actually like my favorite moment between the two of them because Jimin was a little bit of a hit or miss side character for me in this like I think everyone kind of a little bit more of a caricature of themselves due to the nature of this au and like the fact that they are also these like reality tv personas at the same time that they're like bts um but i love that moment i think all the moments in which we see kind of i think we see like jimin kind of torn between his like analytic mind of these shows that he's watched like a million of and that he's like thought about so much and that he's tried to figure out and like kind of figure out how to play the game and, like, his actual emotions in the game as well combated with, like, Yoongi being this, like, very outsider to this whole thing. I think that dynamic is so good and, like, the ways that they kind of are able to somewhat caretake each other. Um, I don't know. I really enjoyed that dynamic between the two of them. And, yeah, this scene where, like, Jimin's explaining to yungi well, obviously, like you know, Young got this scene because he's this kind of role. Like, I got this one because that's me. Like, I'm the jealous one. Like, you're the villain. Like, blah, blah, blah. It's so good. I really loved it.
1: Um, yeah. <laughs> I do actually just feel the need to say, because I thought it was incredibly hilarious that Jimin was like, I'm the jealous one. You're the villain. Namjoon's like the boy next door. Nobody knows what the fuck Young is. He's j- they're, they're like, I don't know. He's crushing his scene. But what is his like, quote unquote, yes. role? We don't know. <laughs> Um, yeah but I want to also touch on what you were saying about caretaking because so yeah so basically Yungi walks into the show at the beginning surly attitude has absolutely zero fucking interest in being there he's like I'm gonna put my name out as August D I'm gonna go home day one I have fulfilled my promise to my friend great Um, and then like Jin is talking to the production team because Jin is very much like it like he shoots for the day and then he goes back and they're like great like here's who you're gonna be keeping here's who's gonna win like Here's what everyone's role is, blah, blah blah. And he's like, why are we keeping this guy yungi And they're like, oh, he's going to be the villain. And Jin's like, yeah, sure, whatever. Um, but going back to the thing about caretaking, as yungi improbably stays longer and longer and as he starts developing friendships with other people, namely the other BTS boys, like he leans into the villain role in part to protect them. Like he sees the ways that the producers are trying to take advantage of Jimin and he's like, mm, absolutely the fuck not. Um, you need some, like, you need some drama for this episode, like, you need someone to cause a scene, like, you're not gonna fuck with Jimin's emotions, but, like, I'll get up in Jin's face and yell at him, like, sure. Um, and that ends up being a pretty big problem, uh, because, yeah, I guess, Nick, if if we're just jumping to wherever we (laughs) want to go. Yeah, let's go, let's just um, go. this is not even necessarily where I want to go, but, uh, just, like, as they sort of are reaching the end of the show, Jin and Yoongi go from, I don't even think they were ever enemies. They go from, like... Having uh, friction and a lot of sexual attention to yearning and a lot of sexual attention. Like snipping at each other and being like, I hate this guy, but he's really hot to like, ha 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 ha. Wow, it really sucks that we're on this show because I like this guy a lot and he's very hot. Um, But the producers are trying so hard to get rid of Yoongi by the end because they're like... He's the villain. He has to go. We already told you from, like, day one that Jungkook was going to win. Blah, blah, blah. blah. And Jin is like, is there not any way to, like, reframe the show so that, like, Yungi What, he's like, show us the edit where Yungi wins. "Uh Uh-huh. Because he's like, isn't there any way to, like, give him a redemption arc? Or he's like, he says, like, isn't it possible to, like, show us falling in love? And the producer's like, fucking, of course it is. You guys were disgustingly in love But if we do that, then there's no show because he spent this whole time leaning into the villain role. And if he's not the villain, then there's nothing. And they were like, this is more than just you and redeeming your image. Like if this if this like pitch of like a gay bachelor season doesn't go over well, like everyone on this set and this show loses their job, too. So this is about more than you. Um, Which is just oh, it's so good. I okay, I'm sorry. I know I've been talking for a bit, but I just like have to I just have to talk about the scene that I the thing that stood out in my mind most from the first reread, and the one I was so excited to get back to and hit just so fucking hard again. Um, is the scene by the fire pit where I wanted to die.
2: I want some more, I guess. You know that
1: I'm like really going through it when I do my little impromptu jingle. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um yeah, so basically Jin and Yugi are at a point where, like, they're still pretending like they don't really like each other, but the sexual tension is off the fucking charts. Um, And all of the contestants live in a house together, and Jin lives in sort of, like... a a smaller house on like I guess the same grounds but in his own little isolated place but he can see the house like he can see especially when people are like out in the yard or whatever like he can see them and he sees Yoongi like constantly working on his songs and he feels very fine and normal about it so he gets two bottles of wine and his guitar and he goes down to the fire pit that's halfway between both of the houses and angles himself in Yungi's direction and plays his guitar loud enough that Yoongi can hear (laughs) him. Um, basically being like I will lure this um, as a boombox moment yeah as Jin refers to him a, a sexy <laughs> little gremlin he's like I will I will lure this sexy little gremlin over and then we'll bang and then I can get this out of my system and like go back to like rehabbing my image or whatever and what you get in that scene is them opening up to one another and Yoongi really probing at Jin when I said there were there was a scene where like Jin thinks he's being real and Yoongi thinks he's being he's just full of shit um, it's Yoongi asking like why do you want to be an actor what do you think you are um, and Jin is like, I'm nothing. Like, I'm an empty container. I'm very good at being a beautiful nothing. People see what they want to see in me and they fill me up. And that's what makes me a good actor. You can project anything onto me. And Yungi's like, okay, but what about you is like real? What's your dream? Like, what's your substance? And Jin is like, I don't have any. Um, and it's horrible. Like, Jin really feels like he is just, he's nothing. He's very good at being a beautiful nothing. And from Yungi's perspective, he's like, I am trying so hard to see what is real about this person, to see what is not for the show and not for the cameras, to see what is behind this, like, charming, beautiful mask. And he is giving me nothing. Um, and it just comes up a couple of times that that feeling Jin has of of being an empty container that people can project onto. And I think it is one of the hardest hitting emotional beats of the fic for me.
0: There were only a few things that I remembered really well from my first time reading this fic, which was, yeah, I think it would have been sometime mid to late 2019, Um, And one of them was verbatim. I'm very good at being a beautiful nothing. It just was so compelling. It was so much when I was like coming back up to it in the fic. I was like really looking forward to it. And as soon as I pulled out the guitar, I was like, it's coming. (laughs) Uh, And it reminded me of a tweet I saw that I can't find. um, But uh, I'm paraphrasing here. The idea was like everyone should get at least one day a month off to just be gourdless about something and to just sit home like a little gremlin and go, yes, yes, yes. And that's how I felt about that line. I just wanted to sit home and be a little gremlin who was cheering. Um,
1: A sexy little gremlin like Yoongi? No. What kind of gremlin?
0: A bloodless little gremlin. (laughs) Well, all right.
1: (laughs) Good grief. That's better than the last time you tried to work it in, I think. Yeah, I do agree. (laughs) I'll give you um, one... um, when Editing Reed is done with the episode, I'll give you a ranking of um, how well oh I God. thought you're <laughs> trying to insert Bloodless went. I don't think I want that. <laughs> I'll give you
0: my own ranking as well, and it's 10 out of 10 for all of them.
1: Okay. Well, that's
2: pushing it. But I thought you
1: were going to say you're going to do your own edits like you were threatening yesterday, where you just cut all of my lines from this episode. <laughs> if you're mean, it's my birthday. That's true. That's true.
2: It's your birthday, and you can say Bloodless however many times you want. Um... However, if we're talking about scenes or lines that made us feel gourdless, um, probably not bloodless. <laughs> uh, um, <laughs> I have a bit. I'd like to talk about, please, um, which is a bit that had me really, I think, rattling the bars the most that I felt throughout this fic. Which is, so, this is like Jin. Jin has kind of come around to some of his feelings about Yungi and no longer wishes for Yungi to be kicked off the show. Or, like, you know, send home the next episode. Um, but all the producers are like, mm, time for Yungi to go. Bye. Um, and so they told him, like, that on this one-on-one date, he needs to not give Yungi a rose. Um, and Jin's like, ah, fuck this, basically. Um, and then, like, when they're getting ready to, like, leave on the date, um, one of the PAs, I think he's a PA producer, guy he's not like the main showrunner but he's around <laughs> um and he's like the one who's gonna be taking them on this uh, mentions to Jin that he's been authorized to take the two of them meaning Jin and Yoongi somewhere private like before or after and Jin kind of loses it a little bit like internally like he doesn't externally lose it but he's just kind of like are you fucking kidding me basically um and then there's this bit of the scene where he is, like, calling his manager and, like, complaining about this and being like, what the hell, essentially. And he turns around and sees Yungi and Yoongi, like, waves and he waves like he's happy and, like, smiles this real gummy smile. And I was like, are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? And Jin's basically, like, that's the point at which he's like, okay, well, I'm just gonna kind of make this happen regardless, like, keeping Yungi, that is um yeah that part made me feel feral shrieking like i don't know i just i think there's a lot of this thick where we like see how the narrative of the show is like obviously impeding like their relationship and like causing all these problems like that's the whole premise but that one in particular just like hit so well for me i don't even know that like i'm trying to think about how to like articulate why (laughs) i don't have the words for it right now um I don't know, just something about him looking at over at Yungi and it's just, like, the true, honest smile from Yungi, like, that he genuinely seems happy to see Jin. Yeah, there's, like, so such a question between the two of them of, like, the authenticity of their emotions and, like, the way that they're presenting themselves and, like, is it sort of just this facade for the show? Like, what is real? Like, Nick and Reed were just talking about that with, like, the Jin viewing himself as this sort of, like, empty vessel. Um, and so I think it's this moment of, like, Really being able to tell that that emotion is real, that just make, makes me want to fling my laptop out the window.
1: so. Something I want to touch on uh, going off of what Breno was just talking about. And actually, Bren, you brought this up in our pre-discussion, and I don't want to totally steal your thoughts from you. Um, but one thing we had talked about is that... Because at this point, if uh, Ficklets listening have not read the fic, they might be like, okay, well, what's the big deal if Yungi goes home? Like, just finish out the show and then they can just, like, date later or whatever. Um, But the whole thing is that, like, they have to sell it. Like, this this version of Jin that's going to be presented on the show, the whole thing is that he's rehabbing his image and the show doesn't want to seem like a big sham or whatever. So it's not just that he is going to, like, find his, quote-unquote, destined love on the show. It's that... When this airs, he'll have to spend the next, like, year pretending to be in a relationship with this person, doing, like, interviews and tours and whatever, like, selling this lie. Um, and so it is, like, a very real fear that if yungi goes home, like, that's going to be it because they can't just wait for the show to be done and then start dating. Um, and when one of the producers is pitching to Jin basically, like... Please, for the greater good of your image and everyone on the show, can you just like, can you just go with what we want? Like, can you just let Jungkook be the winner? Um, she's like, oh, you can't, you're telling me you can't wait a year? And the fic reads, a year without Yungi a year pretending to love Jungkook, who's not interested in him at all. A year where Yungi's with Saran or maybe someone else, someone not so complicated as Sukjin, who scares him a little less, and wants him much less, and demands nothing at all. Jin calculates the odds that he has something to come back to in a year the odds that he'll ever be in love again. He calculates the odds that there's another human as sexy and sweet and protective and perfect as Min Yungi, and comes up with no odds at all. <sighs> Talk about wanting to, like, fling my fucking laptop into the ocean. I just think it was very clever of the fic to build in a very believable way that they couldn't just, like, neatly be like, oh, well, it's fine if Yungi goes home. Like, that it heightens the tension and the stakes and also how fucking devastating it is that, like, no part of Jin believes that Yungi would wait for him when Jin is such a – the mess that he is and the complication that he is. And that, like, Yungi is, like, the first, like, real thing he's felt like he's had in a very long time or maybe ever. And how much it, like, literally is um uh, <laughs> akin to Nick tearing their heart to shredded cheese pieces. How much it's tearing Jin's heart to shredded cheese pieces to <laughs> think about, like, losing that and never being able to find it again. Um, Twins. Yeah, wretched.
0: Yeah, it's so good. It's so, so, so good. And I think one thing that I really love about it is like, yeah, like you mentioned and like that passage mentioned, by the end of this, fic, Jungkook does not want to get engaged to Jin. He is not interested in doing that. He has
1: found another love. Oh, <laughs> ho. <Uh-oh. laughs> Um, this is where did, Nick continues to be the most on brand ever. <sighs> Don't speak <Yeah>. to me.
0: <laughs> That's a little it's bit difficult. Yeah. To you. Oh my God. Hey, Ficklets. I'm looking for a new co-host. <laughs> hey. <laughs> Just let me know <laughs> if you're free. Um, okay. So as I referenced in the introduction, there's a lot of love happening in this story. Not only do we get the primary, you know, chip of the fic but we get multiple side pairings including an OC like it gets really wild so i guess in order of everyone pairing up with each other we start with nam june who comes on the show and we find out later on that he is basically using jin as a rebound and also an experiment of like this is a beautiful charming man and I probably am gay, but if I don't fall for him or if I don't enjoy like being with him, then I don't know. Uh, like, it's got to be this guy. He's got, like, Namjin has a guy at home who like they had a complicated situation with. Um, so fascinating stuff there. Namjin at one point does kiss Jin and then go, I am gay, which is one of the <laughs> most comedically excellent moments so of good. this entire story. It's so funny. <laughs> like of all things to say on this kind of a show, what an icon. Um, and he does... Uh, Namjoon gets snatched on his date by the the guy that he had at home basically who just sort of shows up and it's like Namjoon and I think it was meant to be like the producers staging this dramatic moment where Jin would fight for his honor but Namjoon just ran away with him so whoops there he goes that's one member accounted for and done with um as far as we know the next couple to get together are Jimin and Jungkook uh they have these moments pretty much toward the end of the show where they realize they like each other a lot more than either of them like Jin and they are very fond of each other and they want to be together and they're like talking about it and thinking about it um and the finale spoilers for the finale of destined hearts in beep, beep, this beep, fake <laughs> beep. beep, beep, beep. Um, in the finale the two finalists are Jimin and Jungkook Yungi has left by this point um, For reasons that I'm sure we'll discuss before we finish this conversation, and instead of Jin proposing to somebody, Jimin and Jungkook end up getting engaged, and Jin walks off alone, and that's the love story of the show. Unbeknownst to us, preceding all of this, so more spoiler horde, Taehyung and Hoseok come onto the show already dating, and it is one of my favorite things about this entire fic. It is a bonkers choice; they are incredible. Taehyung is like the producer's mole, basically. Hoseok is just kind of there to support anyone that he can um, and to support Taehyung in all of this and to kind of still be near him while all of this is going on. They both have some really great moments with Jin and with the other contestants, but uh, we find out that way, way, way later, almost into the epilogue, we find out that they were dating the entire time. And that is one of the other things that I remembered about this fic. So when they both showed up uh, on day one, I was
1: like, oh God, right?
0: (laughs) (laughs) And there are a couple of hints that enterprising readers will pick up on, but for the most part, it's meant to be a blindside and it is a delightful one.
1: That's, when I had mentioned the beginning that I'd forgotten some stuff and then was piecing it together, that was one of the things <laughs> I'd completely forgotten about the V-Hope. And then there was a scene where Taeyong is kissing Jin and, like, Hoseok is, like, kind of unhappy about it. And I was like, hold on a
0: second. Yep, I love the plot twist of, like, oh, you thought this person was jealous of that,
1: but they're jealous of the other
0: person. So good.
1: Um. Also, I won't really get into it because we have so many other things to talk about, but I do just want to shout out how much I adored the Hoseok and Taeyong characterizations in this fic. Like, we we dubbed this fic Whack, and it's because the premise is, like, Whack and Funny and Ridiculous, and, like, all of the side characters, the BTS boys, are, like, a little bit also Whack and Ridiculous, but those two in particular in ways that I, like, absolutely loved um, and I thought were just so, so delightful to read. Okay, not
2: to be a little bit of a downer, I guess, in the middle of this discussion on how much we love this fic, Uh, but at the beginning, I did mention that there were a couple things that didn't fully work for me, and I kind of want to talk about one of those because I think it goes along with what Nick was saying at the beginning about this feeling like a pretty Americanized fic. And I think the author does make a note of that at the beginning, like mentioning that this show would never really film or air in Korea. Um, But where Nick just recently uh, read The Charm Offensive, and that media was kind of in their brain, I recently watched the Korean dating show Singles Inferno, and that was kind of in my brain. (laughs) The premise of that show is not so much strictly like Bachelor, Bachelorette-esque as this fic is. I think it's more kind of like a Bachelor in Paradise, like Love Island kind of thing, where there's more like even numbers of guys and girls, like on this island, like they all have dates kind of dynamic. But something I thought that was interesting about it was like that even though it seemed to be marketed as this kind of a little bit more like spicy dating show, and there was definitely a lot of like, wow, people with hot bodies and stuff. There was very little PDA, even amongst couples who, like, went on many dates together. And I feel like that's definitely something I've noticed in, like, the scripted Korean dramas I've watched as well. And obviously, I am a white American girl. Like, I who am I to really talk about Korean culture? No one. Um. So I can't say that this is, like, true for actual, like, Korean people in their, like, 20s and 30s. But I do feel like in terms of televised content that I've seen... PDA is like not that big in shows and like if a couple's gonna get together in a K-drama we're watching for a while before they have a kiss you know and like the level of like intimacy in those shows is usually very different than you would see on like American TV or like any kind of like more like Western dating show um, like some of the ones that we've been mentioning. Um, So I think In this fic, one of the things that did kind of pull me out of it early on was the amount of PDA happening between Jin and the contestants. Like, he and Jungkook hold hands on the first date, and I was like, oh my god. (laughs) I think largely because I just watched this show where I kept being like, oh my god, are they going to kiss? Are they going to hold hands? And like, I can't say what the contestants were thinking or wanting to do, but I certainly know it was not televised if it did happen. So I was just thinking about that as sort of an interesting aspect of this too. Like, I don't know. That did kind of stand out to me as something that felt particularly american in its like approach or at least like not what i've seen of like korean television um so that did kind of pull me out of the story a bit unfortunately i think i wouldn't have noticed it as much if i hadn't like literally last week finished singles inferno um and like also spent this last year watching a lot of (laughs) k-dramas um but yeah i don't know that stood out to me and i think because like we do want to point out where things do feel like westernized or americanized that was like one aspect of this that definitely stood out to me even as like an american reader who's not super familiar with like a lot of aspects of korean culture Mm -hmm. um so yeah i just kind of want to put that out there and it was something that like did take me out of the fic a little bit um as i read but like obviously i still really enjoyed the story it was telling in the end and like i really was invested in the characters
0: yeah no i totally i really appreciate you bringing that up brenna i feel like I definitely agree with this framing of like, obviously none of us are experts, but I think there is some sense of collective responsibility. Um, Even just being part of like a fic recommendation podcast where we mostly bring stuff that we really enjoy and like, Um, I don't know, just noting cultural stuff as we see it and as we've learned from other people, I think can be good.
2: So back to the point of me, however, really enjoying a lot of this fic, even if it did feel a little bit like the American version of The Bachelor at times. Um, one thing that I did really like that is also very much The Bachelor was kind of this fallout between Yungi and Jin and how it all happens around this final row ceremony. Um it's it's both whack and intense and like had me like swiping through the pages because <laughs> I had this as like an EPUB on my iPad I was like racing faster and faster trying to figure out how they would solve it because I think the stakes that it sets up for them like not being able to get together in the real world are really good in this fic like I really felt compelled by that and there's this scene that kind of has like a ridiculous beginning but then like a really impactful like trajectory I guess um towards the end that i think we want to talk about a little bit more nick if you have thoughts to share on it
0: oh yeah i have so many thoughts about this okay so i was i was saying i read the charm offensive if you're not familiar it is uh a sort of queer the bachelor book Uh, the romance is between the producer and the the bachelor himself um, but a lot of the beats that I loved in that book were also hit here and one of those is obviously the like drama around what happens when as the contestants start to narrow down and the options narrow it feels like the world is closing in on our main character a little bit and that was really really the case in this story Uh, And uh, everything goes to hell around the fantasy suites, which is such a classic, right? Like you're spending the night with this person. You have to figure out if you're compatible. There's not going to be any cameras. There are audio recorders, but there's no cameras. (laughs) So you can do whatever you want and um, sort of be whoever you want to be off camera, but you're still being monitored. But, you know, go wild basically is the permission that is supposed to be given in this case. And uh, it's meant to be this really monumental moment for these people to get all of this long, uninterrupted time together where they're able to talk about whatever they want to talk about. And in this case, Jin takes the opportunity to say, hey, listen up, I've got a plan. We're going to figure it out. I mean, they do they do other stuff beforehand yeah. in the morning he's like Yungi, and Yugi's like yes presumably Chin <laughs> is like okay here's what we're gonna do we're, I'm going to send you home but then you can come back because Jim and Jungkook are gonna get together and it's gonna be this beautiful thing and we're gonna figure it out and it's gonna be great um, and then so if you're familiar with the romance genre you will probably have heard of this thing called the approximately 75% into the story miscommunication <laughs> fallout where they've kind of figured things out but then there's a miscommunication issue and everything falls apart this is one of the wildest takes on this that i have ever seen in a fic i thought it honestly really fit the tone of this story like if we're already going whack let's go whack um and it also fit the characterizations because i don't think that a standard miscommunication would work here like i was convinced that these two are willing to talk to each other that they're both mature that they're adults who can work things out so really the only way for this miscommunication to go off the way that it did is for major spoilers here pew pew pew, pew. For Yoongi to literally not hear anything that Jin said because he was asleep and sleep-talking in response to the conversation. (laughs) Oh, buddy, what a terrible way... Um, to deal with these things and you don't realize that's what happened at first i thought it was an extremely clever choice for the author to give us kind of jin being so excited like yeah we're gonna do this and then sending Yungi home with like hope in his chest of like he's gonna come back and then we cut to Yungi's pov where he is so betrayed so furious so like embarrassed that he thought that this was gonna be a good thing and you're like why does why are they on such different pages here you find out later and they do end up resolving it but Oh my gosh, coming back to that in this story, I had totally forgotten that that was kind of the catalyst to all of this drama at the end. <laughs> when we started getting close to it, there are a couple references to sleep talking to earlier on. And I was like, oh no. <laughs> oh, buddy, wake up, wake up. <laughs> he did not wake up. I just wanted to mention that because it is kind of where the ending hinges on. And it was such a wild ride to get through all of that and to get to them getting back together like way later. Yeah, so we cut from all of that, like, absolute drama chaos to all the way to the very ending in the epilogue, which is one of the other things that I remembered very well of the two of them finally getting to be together happy in public. Hosok has put together a documentary (laughs) about, like, the real time on the show. It's all very happy. Everyone's coupled off and um, doing their thing, and we get to learn about the V-Hope and everything. So, yeah, very, very romance-appropriate happy ending as well, which I appreciated. I think they all of these characters and the author earned it. So yeah, that's our long discussion on the very long fic, The Rightish Reasons, which I was so excited to get to talk about, about a genre that I love and tropes that I love and this love story that really felt like it was put together so solidly. Like, oh, I was yearning alongside the both of them. So really enjoyed that.
2: So in The Rightish Reasons, our characters are kind of playing characters of themselves on this reality TV show. In this next comic, a character will also be playing a version of themselves, but in Dungeons and Dragons.
0: The final fan work that we're going to be talking about today is fondly referred to as the Hamlet Paladin or Hamlet D&D comic by us. I don't know that it has a name, but that's the gist. And it is by Binary Bird on Tumblr. It is a comic of Hamlet playing D&D while Horatio DMs. And it's very good. I don't think there are any content warnings for this comic. Unless like, threats of murder, but like it's Hamlet. Hamlet content warnings are more, way more than enough to encompass what you would need for this. So if you can handle Hamlet, you should be fine on this comic. This is a two-page comic. It has a total of nine panels across the two pages, and the premise is that Hamlet's D&D character, ostensibly Hamlet, I don't know if he has a different name uh, in either of these.
1: Like, what? No, right? He would still... Is he Hamlet playing Hamlet? I guess so. Well... Don't worry about the, it. The, um... The person who created this has like a, a short tag for d d Hamlet, and I guess did play it at one point and named the character Amleth, so just an anagram. <laughs> so maybe that's also what Hamlet did. Oh, thank you. Yeah, okay, you're welcome. So we have additional or context. Maybe it's just
2: Hamlet named Hamlet. It like... might be
0: Hamlet named Hamlet. It's hard to say. Um, so this is set at the scene where if you're a Hamlet fanatic, as I am, you'll be familiar with Claudius praying. Uh, this This happens after, I believe it's after the play within a play, where... Hamlet is like, check out this sick play about a man murdering his brother and then becoming king and marrying his dead brother's wife. And Claudius is like, um, this is pretty awkward because that's exactly what I did. And Hamlet was trying to catch him out. So anyway, there's this whole thing where, where Claudius is praying and he's praying for forgiveness and it's this very intense scene. And in the comic, Hamlet or Amleth or Hamlet the paladin (laughs) is witnessing this. And wants to go in, sneak attack, stab him in the back. And Horatio is like, are you sure about that? That's the, that's the comic. <laughs> we'll discuss it in more detail very soon. But that is the gist of it. And like I said in the intro, I have been sent this so many times. Like, it's very hard for me to think about something that could possibly be more up my alley than this specific work of comic art. He's Hamlet. He's Paladin. He's Vengeance he's considering morality and considering himself. It's two versions of the self that play against each other, and you have to develop a new understanding of the individual based on these two versions. Also Horatio. We love Horatio. It's so good. It's so good. I think about it all the time. I have it saved. I have looked at it many, many, many times in my life, and I'm so excited to just talk about it. I've said a lot of words about Hamlet on this podcast and also outside of this podcast in my life, um, but I'm excited to say some more, particularly about the ways in which turning it into a D&D setting alters our understanding of what is going on and how the plot of Hamlet is actually being played out, and also just about alternative media formats of Hamlet, which we've talked a little bit about, but I have more things to say, so Yes very excited to dig into this comic a little bit my co-hosts who love hamlet nearly as
1: much as i do what did you think um i cannot in good conscience say that i love hamlet as much as you do simply (laughs) because i don't think that's possible i do like hamlet a lot um i haven't really like consumed the source material in a while um i fucking love this comic i so i Similarly, had like seen it probably when it like first was going viral on Tumblr. Have seen it many times since. Have like tweeted it at random. Just like it lives rent free in my brain. Um, I do feel a little bitter about it. Uh, and that is because this past year, uh, for Yule Tide, I went. You know what? This comic makes me fucking gourdless. And Yule Tide is all about really niche content. So why sh- why not nominate this? And then maybe someone else will feel gourdless about it and write me some fic. Um, and the Yuletide mods said no, and I don't know why. They just said, no, you can't have it.
0: They were wrong. Yeah. And like, I'm so sorry to say such a strong (laughs) statement against the Yuletide mods, but I don't know if anyone has ever been more wrong about anything than this decision.
2: Um, (laughs) no, like truly, they've done so much for us and I do cherish them. But they were wrong about this. Yeah.
1: Like I, I wish. because we don't even know why.
2: Really? Like they didn't give, a, like
1: they didn't give a reason. As someone, someone who can just literally, literally wrote
0: fic for Yuletide this
1: year. <laughs> Here's <laughs> like the thing. Like on. I could have just nominated Hamlet. Hamlet on its own fits all of the parameters. But I specifically wanted to nominate anyway. Yes, I wish I'd known why it was rejected, so I could appeal it for next year. Um, Yuletide mods, if any of you happen to be listening, I do. I do deeply love Yuletide. I had a great time. I have. I will continue to probably have a great time in the don't future. Fail <laughs> They're going to, like, go back and see, like, they're going to go back to the, like, Dream With post where you write things and you're like, this person, blacklisted. I have nothing to do with it. I'm I don't know you. <laughs> um, honestly valid. Yuletide is great and I wouldn't want you to be banned from it. Um, anyway, my, my slight bitterness aside, yeah, this comic fucking slaps and... Um, Nick when you were agonizing about what to bring for your birthday episode you're like should I bring this I don't know and I was like yeah and because I really liked it but I kind of you know internally I was like how much are we gonna have to say about a comic as it turns out I have a fucking lot to say about this comic um specifically yeah I mean the fact that it is D&D there's so much to dig into on a meta level there also I just really like comics and especially short form ones I think can be super super impactful um like the art of this and what images are repeated and slightly changed I think have an incredible impact and um, yeah I mean I just I think it's so well done I have so many things to say about it I I love it very much
2: yes I have seen this comic floating around a number of times now and discussed it previously with Nick and Reed um, especially in the uh, aftermath of Reed wanting to nominate it for Yuletide <laughs> um, it's a really impactful comic like I feel like I've become more fond of Hamlet uh, through knowing Nick and hearing Aww. Nick talk about Hamlet. Some one of the nicest previous. things you've ever said to me. <laughs> <laughs> um... I never disliked Hamlet, but I didn't have, like, a lot of thoughts about Hamlet before becoming friends with Nick. And then I really do think when we read The Undiscovered Country on this pod, it kind of made me gourdless about Hamlet in a way that, like, I'll never recover from mm-hmm. and has, like, forever impacted how I see that character. Um, you're welcome, William Shakespeare. <laughs> I like your character more now because of fan fiction. Anyway, I also really like d and I play with, with these two, my co-hosts. Um, so yeah, I definitely feel like I'm in the same boat of this being a combination of like two things that I enjoy and am familiar with, D&D more so than Hamlet for me. Um, But yeah, it's a really cool comic. I think it does, like it's the same things we say about short fic, but like it chooses its moments so carefully. And like, I know Reed has some thoughts about sort of like comics and storytelling in general that I'm sure we'll get to in a bit here. Um, But yeah, I think just like, the last two frames of this are so good and really stick with you. And I know we're going to talk about them a lot. Um, but yeah, I'm excited to talk about this. Like, I was really hyped when Nick picked this because, I don't know, I thought it was a little whack that I did, like, a fan vid last time. <laughs> and I was really hoping that we could continue the trend of picking some kind of, like, alternative fanish content to bring, especially on these, like, self-indulgent birthday episodes. So... I know how many thoughts and feelings Nick has had about this comic and like how horribly brand it is. So I was really happy that you picked it so that we could talk about it. Um, Cause yeah, I just think it's a really cool like piece of fan work and does something that's so uniquely fanish ish that I, I think even if you aren't immediately attached to like Hamlet or D&D, like that element of it, like I think is cool for like any fan kind of just to appreciate like, this is what being a fan can generate, I guess.
0: Yeah, I wrote about as many pages of papers about Hamlet as I possibly could have in undergrad. A professor would be like, here's a paper you have to write. And I would try and figure out how I could make it about Hamlet. Like, this is who I was. Ficklets, I'm so sorry if you thought I was, like, really cool in college. (laughs) You were right. Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) And one of the ones that I wrote about was... Um, comparing and contrasting 10 different adaptations of Act 5, Scene 2, which is the one where everything goes to hell, if you were wondering. Uh, It's like the fencing scene and everyone dies, etc. And so many of those were film, mostly film adaptations. Uh, By the way, if you're looking for a particularly whack one, uh, it's the Ethan Hawke one in like the 90s, I think uh claudius gets pushed off a skyscraper (laughs) that's how he dies laertes and hamlet fence and then laertes pulls out a gun
2: (laughs) it's incredible and it's all the exact
0: same text of the play in american accents anyway it's just incredible um mind-breaking i don't think this comic is like that (laughs) But it did make me think quite a lot about the things in Hamlet that are inevitable. Like, regardless of the setting, regardless of what decisions the director makes or the actors make, there are things that are totally inevitable. Um, And I think there's such a fascinating interplay between the idea of free will and predestination in Hamlet. Uh, Not to get really into my Shakespeare feelings, but... One reason I love this comic so much is that D&D really plays a lot with that interplay. There's the one side of free will where you're making the world, you're building it, you're making the whole story up as you go. That's the whole point of it. And then there's also the dice where certain things are out of your control. Um, a d campaign of Hamlet, I don't think there's any possible way that a lot of the events of the play are actually legitimately avoided because Hamlet is not lucky. <laughs> That's like a huge point of this being a tragedy it would be a comedy if he was very lucky it'd be hilarious as a little play within a play (laughs) that's incredible
1: should have been Um, a halfling so he'd have the feet to re-roll bad bad rolls
0: ah yeah it's Mm. true it's because he's not a halfling oof notes for his next campaign But there is something so interesting about it. Um, It reminds me of playing the game Elsinore, which I played earlier this year in the summer, maybe. Um, I got it on Steam. You play as Ophelia and it's kind of a Groundhog's Day situation where you try to prevent the events of Act 5, Scene 2 from actually happening. I got one playthrough all the way to the very end and I was just a hair too slow preventing the war, and then everyone was killed in front of me after I stopped them all from killing each other, and I was like, come on. (laughs) But it felt so real. It felt so true to the story, and so true to the... I I think that's possible to get a happy ending in Elsinore. I gave up. Um, Yeah, the video games are not my forte necessarily, but one reason that him being a paladin just was so good here was the oath of vengeance situation, right? I think Reed has a lot to say about that, where it really is about one singular decision that you've made and you're going to pursue it all the way to the end and nothing can stop you. But then also like the whole point of being a paladin is that your power is coming from some higher being, that you are surrendering yourself to some other god generally or other very powerful creature's agenda. So lots and lots of feelings there, but I do think one of the main kind of takeaways from hamlet as a play is the idea that if you have all of this free will and you have a ton of knowledge and you have way too broad of an understanding of what's actually happening around you and enough power that will lead to your downfall and your misery uh, i was gonna say shakespeare the original anti-sapiosexual is that anything, Jesus. I don't think that's anything. On
2: earth? okay
0: now you're just saying words i am i'm just saying words i can't help it i get excited
2: I don't even and know yeah, what I to do with thoughts. that. Yeah, good luck. I'm going to have to think about
1: that one later. I'll, I'll go back I to I don't want to think about oh, it. Okay. I've, I've, already, no, no, I've already put it in a box in the back of my brain. <laughs> um. Yeah, I have maybe 1,000 million things to say about this comic, but I do have a lot of feelings about the Oath of Vengeance. Well, okay. Yeah, so as Nick said in the beginning, this comic is drawn by binary-bird on Tumblr. And they have a DD d Hamlet tag. There's not a ton of stuff in it, but there is like a little bit more than just that original comic. Um, I guess shortly after it went viral on Tumblr, a couple of people had sent in their own thoughts about the comic. And two in particular had both said, um, well, if Hamlet's a paladin, like maybe he's Oath of Vengeance. Um, and briefly in the original text, I think of the post, um, the artist mentions like that... Hamlet as a paladin isn't maybe necessarily the first choice you would think of like Hamlet of the play is very witty and sharp and so you'd think he if you're doing a D&D class it'd be high intelligence um something like that and paladins are more about strength and and not so much like the wit of the mind and all of that um and so this author was sort of like musing on why he'd be a paladin and sort of inheriting his father's armor and how it would be awkward or too heavy or not fit him quite right, but he would do his best to uphold it anyway. And the Oath of Vengeance in particular is a. Uh, so if you're not familiar with D, like you have your main class, your paladin, your ranger, your bard, your whatever you want to be, and then you have little like subsets, subclasses you can specialize in. And one of the options for paladin is Oath of Vengeance, which is basically um paladins arise and swear an oath of vengeance to set right that which has gone wrong. To these paladins, their own purity is not as important as delivering justice. I'm reading from like D and D wikis and probably stuff people have pulled from the book. Um, it says the tenets revolve around punishing wrongdoers by any means necessary. The core, pr- the core principles are brutally simple: fight the greater evil, no mercy for the wicked, by any means necessary, and restitution. And the whole thing is that it's they're willing to sacrifice even their own right- righteousness to um, in in this name of justice. And I think that is so fucking good for hamlet in general but especially for this comic because the the whole thing that the comic is presenting is like to kill a man while he's in the middle of prayer is to go again like it's the antithesis of what a paladin should be but if you're an oath of vengeance if if the oath that hamlet has sworn is to take down claudius in revenge then is that not worth like giving up his own purity giving up his own alignment his morality his whatever his oath was to his original god or whatever may be like if what yeah. Also, isn't this a thing path? in the
0: play, too? The whole point of, like, if Claudius is praying, it means that he would be forgiven and not go to hell.
1: Yeah, I think so. I mean, you would know better so than... the whole other... I wanted
0: to reread the entire play before this discussion, and obviously I did not have time to do that. <laughs> um, that is a thing, though. I think that's that's one of the reasons that line struck me so hard, too. This idea that, like, okay, you're not even going to get the revenge that you wanted. He's just going to go to heaven, and then what are you going to do? What are you going to be left with after that? Yeah.
1: But I just think that's so compelling that idea of burning like burning all of the things in your life and yourself and running yourself into the ground and giving up anything good just for the sake of pursuing this one goal. I mean like yeah, that tracks to Hamlet incredibly well. Um so I I loved one just that as a concept and I always have so many things to feel about like D&D and the meta of play and whatnot but also on a smaller note i just love that like this comic went viral and then people wrote in like it's collaborative i mean obviously this isn't fan fiction but it is a fan work and the fact that other people kept thinking about it and wrote in to be like here are my thoughts here's more like here's where i'd elaborate on this story i think is so true to the nature of fandom
2: yeah i think honestly off things both of you were talking about um something that i really would love to discuss here is kind of just what it does to the story to introduce a dm like in this instance it's horatio and we can talk about like what it means for it to be horatio but i think just like the general concept of there being a dm and like what that role is is really fascinating here because to a point that nick made earlier like there feels like these it feels like there are these things that are inevitable in a hamlet narrative but hamlet's never had a dm before who is a lot more like omniscient than any character is in hamlet the story so you can change hamlet's like setting you can change how people die you can change a lot of things about hamlet but there's never going to be someone who sees all parts of it and are able to like whisper in characters ears about it or answer questions or like have them roll to know things that they didn't before but like horatio here can and like in this comic strip like very much does like he's kind of being a very hands-on DM here because Hamlet's saying like I'm gonna do these things like I'm gonna kill him and Horatio's like that's completely against your alignment and Hamlet's like I'm gonna sending <coughs> I'm sending him straight to hell and that's when Horatio's like are you sure about that weren't you listening and that feels very like hands-on DMing and I think it's also interesting because like what Nick sorry what Reed was just saying about um the, like, Oath of Vengeance Paladin, which would make it so that Hamlet killing Claudius in the scene, like, is the thing that his class would push him to do. Contrasted with, like, Horatio, his friend, the DM, being like, are you sure you want to go down this road? I don't know. I think that's fascinating. Like, I do wonder how this would change, like, how just, like, the introduction of this role of the DM and, like, what that implies for this campaign of Hamlet, like how that would change it going down the line. Like, I think we were talking in our pre-discussion a lot about, like, aspects of Hamlet that you could see as being D&D, like, roles and stuff like that. Um But I think it's also, like, what does having a DM, a role that does not exist, like, in literature generally, unless there is, like, a god character, like, what does that do to this story? And I I don't know. I also, like, what does it say about, like, horatio as a character here that even though hamlet's character is an oath of vengeance paladin and killing claudius is probably the thing that like his oath would want him to do like it's at it's at whatever cost right Mm -hmm. that horatio is still looking out for like the morality of his friend anyway Mm -hmm. well because one thing that makes me think
0: about is last night in our pre-discussion we were discussing some stuff about like why is this the narrative that Hamlet and Horatio are ostensibly playing a one-on-one campaign with, like, what on Earth?
1: Well, I took it as a one-on-one. You you didn't originally, which I do think is I said it might
0: not be. I wasn't sure. I was like, I don't know, is Ophelia, like, across the <laughs> table or
2: something? Yeah, I wasn't necessarily thinking of it as one-on-one, because I guess I just don't think of that being a very common That's not... D&D play style, so I guess I was just assuming that there would be more people there, but I didn't think about who they would be. <laughs> no one else has anything to... Sorry, like, Gertrude, can you...
0: <laughs> <laughs> Fortune bro. <laughs> Oh, sorry. (laughs) It's just so funny. Wow. Um, Yeah. Well, honestly, I got really attached to Reed's idea of it being a one-on-one campaign because what it was making me think of was like, why this? Why is this the choice? And we know we've talked um, as friends a lot about critical role and the ways in which that's been used by the players openly as ways to like process stuff that's going on in their life and to experience different narratives and to kind of deal with past trauma and past experiences and past challenges in a way that is, like, healthy and productive and creative. And so it's making me think quite a lot about this idea that, like, how much does Hamlet at the d table have in common with Hamlet holding the sword wanting to kill Claudius? And if there are echoes of truth in that story, then that makes me see Horatio looking out for his morality a lot differently. Or Horatio being like, maybe this is not how the story has to end a lot differently. This idea of the DM... Having an impact not only within the story but also within this person's life and psyche and emotions. It's just all really interesting.
1: Oh yeah, I mean my my notes were yeah because I had talked about this with you guys in pre discussion. My notes were kind of about that exactly as well. That like in D you're creating a character, but also like there's always a little bit of you in all of your characters. I feel and it's like how much of yourself, like what facets of yourself are you putting into your character and. When I had, like, yeah, because my, my first impression reading this comic is that it is a one-on-one. And I was wondering, like, is this a way for Hamlet to process his his grief or whatever? Like, I have no idea what the Hamlet, the player, we have no idea what <laughs> any other context either. about his life is. But, like, did his father die? Did, like, does he have a complicated relationship with his father? Like, wh- is, is the point of this, like, one-on-one thing they're doing to work through some of that? And I think in particular, Nick, when you were saying, like the Hamlet holding the sword, how much does Hamlet the player have in common with him? Um, something I, I sort of briefly mentioned at the beginning is that I, I think the art is super effective. And in general, like, I follow a lot of artists. I get a lot of, like, short-form comics and stuff that come across, like, my Twitter and my general social feeds. Um, and I think, like, I will see comics and stuff go viral on Twitter because artists are so good at being very effective with the the small space that they're using. And in this, like there are two there are two instances of like art being reused. And the first one is in the first two panels, you have Hamlet the Paladin character peering around the corner. And then that exact same art is used. But instead of wearing his paladin armor, he's just Hamlet the person. Um and that's how you switch from like the game to um them playing. And then at the end, it's it's the same frame of, uh, it, it's both times he's in his paladin form, but it's him holding the sword and it's his angry face as he's saying, I'm sending him straight to hell. And then his agonized, pondering, I don't even know the breadth of emotion that this artist managed to convey here um, when Horatio goes, weren't you listening? He's praying. Um, but I yeah, which, which is to say, sorry, I kind of wandered on that point, but I feel like this comic very intentionally is blurring the lines between Hamlet the player and Hamlet the paladin by reusing that art at the beginning um, by, I don't know, nature of the fact that it's Hamlet playing Hamlet, like, or Hamlet playing Amleth. I guess we don't really know. But um, <laughs> knowing that we were going to be talking about this on the podcast, I dug into this comic and and my thoughts about it much more than I would have normally. And um, I became very attached to the narrative I created in my head about, yeah, the <laughs> fact that this is... Hamlet trying to work through his own trauma and grief and Horatio helping shepherd him through it. Um, but I think I think there's a lot to say sort of about the blurring of the lines between the player and the character.
0: Yeah, it, there's just, there's so much to love here. I've stared at this comic for so long and I keep thinking like I'm going to have had my last thought about it and it never happens. <laughs> I just keep having thoughts uh, and I'm sure I'm going to have more in the future. But it's just a really, really beautiful well, conceptualized piece of art that gave me emotions. And really, is that not all that we're looking for on this podcast constantly every time? I don't know. I feel so much like this show is like every couple of weeks, I am chasing something else that is going to make me feel a particular way that I can then attempt to express <laughs> with words mm-hmm. out loud. But there's mm-hmm. something very cool about that. No, of absolutely. Like, where is the next thing? Where am I going to find it? Because I rarely do I know where I'm going to find it. Uh, surprise myself sometimes.
1: Can I, sorry, really quick, can I chime in with uh, just something I found very funny? So as I was perusing this artist's D&D Hamlet tag, they had a thing where they'd sort of built out his, like, stats and whatever, and in their their little notes it just says, Part of me wants to make his con higher, considering how long he lasted in Act 5 after getting stabbed with a poison sword, (laughs) which I think is just so... Funny, but also I don't know, we were talking about like rolls and like that's one of those things where I could see it being like, okay, roll a con save and he just like keeps rolling like 19s and and whatever and it's just like, okay, I don't know how the fuck you're still alive after being stabbed, but like, as long as the dice will let you, I guess.
0: Yeah, Act 5, especially Act 5 Scene 2 really is like Hamlet rolling enough death saves to lift himself up bodily and pour poison down Claudius' throat before he lies down and dies, which, you know, good for him.
1: (laughs) He gets his one HP, he pours the poison down, and then he takes more poison damage and just dies.
0: Exactly, yep. <laughs> That's exactly what it is. Like, you could not be more accurate, actually. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. What a joy. What a joy. I love this comic so much. I'm so glad that we got to talk about it. I never thought that I would be bringing it to this podcast. Um, I've been feeling very reminiscent today, especially about the olden days. And back then, I never would have thought that we would have been doing this. So... Very excited that we got a chance to and very glad that I got to say so many things that were so true in my little heart for my birthday.
2: I hope you have all enjoyed the second installment of our birthday episode series for this year. It will be a bit of a wait before the third one, (laughs) as is the case every year, because our birthdays do not change. (laughs) Um... I was really delighted with the way that we chose to do them this year, partially because I was one of the people who pushed for it. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I hope you have enjoyed this new installment as well. Um, if you like Fit Click and would like to find us elsewhere, you can find us on social media, on Twitter and Tumblr. Um, you can also email us at fitclickpod at gmail.com. We will see it and we will answer you. If you have more like long form questions or comments or wrecks, you can always hit us up there. Um, And then if you'd like to chat with us and connect with more of our community, you can always join our Discord channel. You can find the link to that on our Twitter as well. It is a super welcoming and lovely place filled with lots of fic enthusiasts, so I highly recommend it. If you would like
0: to put your metaphorical or literal money where your mouth is, there are a couple other ways you can support FicClick as well. You can also leave us a review on any kind of podcatcher that allows that or just make your own. Uh, write it on a blog you could make a youtube video about us extensively detailing your passionate love for our show fit click
1: you can go on a a first date um virtual probably and just tell your date the whole time about fit click and how they should listen to it and then invite us to the wedding yeah
0: because they would be so into that that they would propose on the spot probably
1: yes i do think if you meet your future um spouse via FitClick, you are contractually obligated to at least like send us invites uh-huh yeah you can be like
0: finding our address <laughs> yeah
1: exactly
2: and i want like wedding photos please yeah. i love wedding photos <laughs> absolutely
0: oh yeah and you can add in your photos wear some merch <laughs> We have a Redbubble shop. It is linked in the pin tweet on our Twitter and in our link tree. So you can get yourself a tote bag or a mug or a hat. Uh, there's all kinds of exciting and cute merch things that you can purchase with legal tender and wear them at your wedding or
2: elsewhere. You could be like my mom uh, who bought me and her matching Fit click mugs for Christmas.
0: <laughs> oh, <laughs> my mom has an AO3 user blank mug. <laughs> When I was like, oh, what are you gonna put in the blank? She's like, I don't know. And I was like, never mind, don't worry about it.
1: <laughs> <laughs> if you do follow us on any of our socials, you might be aware that we have recently wrapped up our third year doing our rec exchange. Yay! Uh, which is super exciting, super fun. Um if you're not familiar with it, as it sounds, we pair people up uh not to write fix to one another, but to recommend fix based off their preferences and fandoms and whatnot. And we have, um, as we've wrapped it up, we have posted a Google Doc with every single wreck that was sent in this exchange, um, as well as, like, the wreckers' notes about, like, why they picked it, what they like about it, that whole thing. It's um, somewhere in the range of 90 pages long. So, you know, if you're feeling like your marked <laughs> for later is a little bit sparse, this is a great way to uh, fill that out. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so, so many good wrecks. Um, so, yeah, if you would like to check that out, you can find the link to that on our Twitter. So our next episode is unbelievably our fiftieth episode. What? Um, yeehaw! Yeehaw! <laughs> Depending on what platform you're on, um, looking at you, Apple, it might we might have already passed. Don't worry about it. According to our numbering system, <laughs> this is going to be fifty. Um, and so in celebration of that fact, we thought it would be fun to return to fix we've already done on the pod. Um, we've said many times, like you've heard a discussion where we're like, we could keep going for another hour, but we can't because of time constraints. Um, this is our chance to come back to those fix or to sort of revisit, um, some choices we made really early on where it's like, we've got a better understanding of like what this pod is now and, and things we want to talk about. And so just more things to say, new things to say. Um, so Yeah, very excited to return to some old favorites. Nick, what is your choice for our 50th?
0: I am taking us literally all the way back to our second full-length episode, Selkie's whatyouneedtoknow.org, which is technically episode three. And we recorded that and posted it in October of 2019 for context for everybody. Um, I am bringing the Critical Role Campaign to Genfic Resonance by Illinois. Um, It is a very exciting fic. The tags are murder mystery and timeline shenanigans. So please get excited for us to revisit it. I can't wait to say more about that story and also about our context as kind of critical role watchers and fan content consumers in the time since. Brenna, what do you bring in?
2: Yes, so I am taking us back not quite as far, but pretty far uh, to our 10th episode, which was our Genfic episode. Um, And my pick from that episode, which was The Interpreter by Star E. Uh, It is a fic for the 2013 movie Snowpiercer set after the events of that movie. Um, This is a fic that I just like have not stopped thinking about. It's really stuck in my brain, and I think I have even more to say about it. I mean, I had more to say about it then, but I think in thinking about it since I first read it till now and like the events of also like our real life last couple of years, I this is one I really wanted to revisit with like new fresh thoughts and digging into some of the stuff that we originally talked about a little bit deeper as well. Reed, what's your pick?
1: Um, I am going with the most recent of the three of our picks, uh, from episode thirty-seven 37- you might remember a little fic called Wander the Wild Whereby by Mediast. It is a Fire Emblem Three Houses space AU. Um, it's a pretty dense fic. I, I, it is like where the inception of Gord lore came from on the podcast. Um, wow, boy, I am just thrilled to be returning to it. So you can look forward to hearing all of our new discussions for those fics on our next episode coming out February 4th. Until then, I'm going to hope that I roll all natural 20s on our D&D game that we're playing on Sunday. Bye, Ficklets! (laughs) Okay, I'll see you later, Ficklets. I am going to go contemplate the passage
0: of time, feelings, memories, and what it might be like to witness my co-hosts in 10 years. Bye!
2: Okay, Ficklets, next time you see me, it might not be on this podcast. It might be on the big screen, (laughs) where I'm starring in a reality TV (laughs) dating show. I'm going to go submit some applications. See you later. Bye! (laughs)